Quick Mount PV presents Solar Roof Talk with the latest from the world of rooftop solar with your hosts Susan Stark and Jeff Spees. Welcome to another episode of Solar Roof Talk. My name's Jeff Spees and my co-host is Sue Stark. How are you doing today, Sue? I'm great today, Jeff. Well, we're just back from Solar Power International last week in Las Vegas and uh, I, I guess I didn't anticipate that it was going to be that busy, but it turned out to be, from what I could tell, a relatively busy show with good foot traffic. Yeah, I uh, had a good show myself. Lots of interest in our Quick Mount booth. And oddly, there were some empty spaces. There were some huge empty spaces, which meant that people pulled out at the last minute, which I, I think may be related to the trade case and some uncertainty. Yeah, and in a couple of days, we're going to learn the results of the whether or not injury was found. I think most people are anticipating it's going to move forward. And then the big question is, what would be the recommended tariff? But uh, with us today is a special guest, my good friend, Nick Korth, who's the product marketing manager for the Renewables Energy Division of Hellerman Titan. And Nick and I have known each other for a number of years. He had previously worked for the Midwest Renewable Energy Association up in Custer, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which does wonderful work in the Midwest, educating folks about solar energy. And uh, uh, of course, Hellerman Titan, who he now works for, specializes in fastening and labeling for the solar industry. And Nick is very active in the whole arena of code compliance and uh, many folks in Hellerman Titan are uh, significantly involved in development of codes and standards language. So previous to Hellerman Titan, of course, Nick worked for the Midwest Renewable Energy Association where he helped administer a sunshot program with the National Renewable Energy Lab. And he now is the host of the Beyond the Panel webinar series that includes the topic of how weather impacts PV systems. So we brought Nick here today so we could talk a little bit about wire management and uh, no, it hasn't gotten as much of attention in the past, but I think that Nick has some really valuable perspectives that'll be helpful to our listeners. And how are you doing today, Sue? And what'd you think of Solar Power International? Uh, so SPI was terrific for me. Um, I always enjoyed the event. Being a remote employee for QuickMount PV here on the East Coast, it's great to see my solar peeps, uh, whether they're my colleagues or, you know, my co-workers in the solar business. So terrific to see everybody and great to see Nick at the show. Uh, Nick, how are you today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And it was great to see both of you uh, at SPI as well. What were the highlights of the show? You know, I was I was actually just impressed with the whole thing in general. Um, you know, I thought the show was well attended this year. Um, you know, I I noticed the same thing that you guys did. There was a few large open space spaces. You know, especially around uh, where our booth was located. But uh, you know, traffic was still really good. Um, high level engaging questions. Um, for, for our booth. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, everything just seemed to go really smooth. And, uh, you know, I like how it was all pretty much located in a pretty central space, which made it easy. Yeah, for me, I, yeah, I, having... I had to leave a little early for the show, but I fortunately was able to get to the block party, which was nice because it was outdoors in a, in a simulated beach environment. I think everything in Vegas is simulated and that's certainly simulated, but it was nice to be in an outdoor location, I was uh, dressed as a hippie with a wig, and it was like wearing a wool hat, so it was a little bit of a hot evening for me, but I, I enjoyed seeing a lot of folks there. 
Well, I floated around on a on a duck for a while and had a good time out in the pool. And there were mermaids, and uh, that was probably the extent of what I experienced there. At that, uh, and they had a wave pool, which they wouldn't let anybody go in except a few people did sneak in there. I think. Didn't you get kicked out of somewhere? Uh yeah, I did. I pulled up the anchor on the rubber duck and um, sort of wandered over there. So I got dragged back, but that was fun. Well, uh, today what we'd like to address is the topic of wire management. And uh, Nick, of course, has been working for several years in this area, very much focused on trying to provide guidance to folks so that they can make a logical decision and a way to secure their PV cabling so that it'll match the life of the array, ideally. Uh, But one of the things I do want to ask, and, and Sue, of course, you've had just a tremendous amount of first-hand experience with a lot of different installers installing, I'm sure, a variety of cable management clips, starting with your own business in the solar industry years ago. Maybe you could just tell us your basic perspective over the past 10 years in, in the evolution of wire management in the solar industry, which when I started, we had like one clip option. That was the extent of it. Today, today we've got a lot of options. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your perspective over those years. Sure. Uh, those days were all rail-based installation or ground mount. Um, so honestly, we were buying cable ties from Home Depot in the thousand packs. And we didn't know any better, honestly. Um, so we were zip tying everything, thinking that was going to be great. Um, and, you know, I was unsure of that because it, previously I was in the tool business and I used to sell these cable ties in the thousand packs. And I knew that within like a year, when exposed to the weather, like when somebody was using that for a plastic construction fence and attaching it to a a post, it would only last a year or less. And then I saw these guys in the solar industry using cable ties to attach to rail. And I'm thinking, wait, what? This isn't going to last. And as much as I sort of push back, the solar guys, well, no, 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 no. This is job security, job security. Just, just, just don't say anything. So that is my experience. And then, Obviously, clips started to get better, and we use some stainless clips. But generally, I think that I would say 95% of systems are attached. The the wire management is attached with cable ties, which will fail within a matter of a few years. Nick, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely variable levels of quality of cable ties. Um, available on the market and most often um, if it's not being specced for an engineered more expensive cable tie they're going to get that bag from from your big box store uh, which is going to say UV rated on it it's going to be black but it definitely is not going to be enough for the application and eventually um, and when I say eventually it's not going to take very long um, due to the heat um, and uh, just the harsh environment that we see every day on these solar systems, uh, that that tie is going to fail um, because they're they're not designed to be um, used in a rugged environment like a solar PV system. Now, Nick, what would be your estimate of the life of if you if I went down to Home Depot right now and I bought some black zip ties in a bundle of maybe a hundred or whatever they sell them in? Uh, and I use that to wire up the PV cables into the holes of the module frame. How long do you figure before some of those would start, before most of them would break? Is it going to be a five to 10 year life expectancy for something like that? 
I would say that if you're lucky, uh, <laughs> you're going to be on the shorter end end of that five to ten year. Um, you know, I would say some of them might last five years, um, but thinking that it's going to push much longer than that, um, you know, given the testing that we've done uh, and and knowing what cheap plastics and uh, the, the type of lifespan that they last. Um, you know, you're going to, you're going to be lucky to get them to last for five years. And this is an expensive fix too. I mean, think about it. If you have, uh, dozens, let's say of plastic zip ties underneath your PV array, and if they're giving out in the five to 10 year mark, that kind of tells me you're going to have to disassemble, at least unbolt all the clamps, holding all the modules on, remove all the modules so you can access the wires and then use cable clips to tie, to secure those wires back into the PV module, right? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the wire management is not easily accessible on a rooftop. Um, and so you're looking at a lot of labor. Um, you know, a truck roll is what, 500 bucks, we'll just say, um, to, to send a truck out to that site. And then you're, you have a few hours of, of work. Um, you're losing the opportunity to be doing another install. Um, so, you know, I like to think that it's going to be, it's going to add up to be a thousand dollar fix. To just replace a couple of pennies of cable ties, um, and that's the biggest thing that I I like to talk about is it's those costs add up really quick for just the last thing that you're thinking about on a job site. Um, you know, I I know the mentality um, of what these guys are doing, and I understand like they they want a cheap product that is just going to hold the wires in place, and they just want to get off that roof and get on to the next one. And that could be a potentially dangerous habit to get into in an expensive one. Yeah, so uh, I've also seen that when you disassemble a system, it doesn't disassemble nicely. Uh, there's a lot of galling in the industry. So taking those modules off the racking system or, you know, undoing the mid clamps, mid clamps that no longer exist because that company's out of business, uh, that's going to be a major problem. And also the wires take a set once they're up there and gotten really hot for a while. So rewire managing, I think, means that system is coming off the roof and not usually very nicely. The first time I ever had a chance to take apart an old system was at APS's Star Center in Tempe, Arizona. It was 13 years old, and we were using it to train installers about uh, PV installation. So we took the modules out, and every PV cable, when we removed it, we unclipped it. They, at that time, had used metal very good. It looks like some Wiley clips. They had secured them with very, I think, six inch spacing between. But that PV cable was in precisely the same position when we removed it from the array. And we realized you could, the, the insulation on those cables now had taken a very hard set. It had the consistency of more like a cardboard than, than plastic. And you knew that if you tried to bend that wire at all, that you'd likely crack that insulation. So this is a very serious issue that people in the PV industry starting now need to be aware of because there's a lot of systems out there that do use plastic zip ties that are going to be completely uh, rewired. And unfortunately, the racking hardware may need to be replaced. And I've seen this have a, de a detrimental impact on the life of the module, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the system costs add up really quick when you use cheap cheap cable ties. Um, and so, 
being 100% transparent, we are a cable tie manufacturer. So, you know, we do make materials that last a lot longer, but they're going to cost more. Um, so that's where, you know, we need to get the industry to be looking at it from the perspective of, hey, we really should be looking at um, what are the benefits of plastic. And Hellerman Titan, we, we definitely believe that there are benefits of using plastic on the systems when it comes to protection of the wire. Um, because we have seen that that there are metal plastic or um, metals um, out there that are not engineered either to be using on solar systems, um, but it needs to be the right plastics that are going to last a lot longer than just going to a Home Depot. You know, they, there are plastics that are engineered that will last a long time in these environments, um, but you can't just go and buy them at a big box store. You need to consult with um, with people who know the industry um, and making sure that you're getting the right material that's suitable for the environment. So how many years, you, you, the product you're referencing is is a unique product to my knowledge. You're, Hellerman Titan's the only manufacturer of a plastic strap that can go, is it 20 years is the projection, Nick? Yeah, so uh, that's our newest product that we, we actually had at SPI, and it's our 25-year rated um, solar tie. And so it's made of PVDF, which is uh, the same material that is pretty common in back sheets of modules. Um, and the tie is almost completely chemical resistant. UV doesn't have any impact on the material. And it's actually rated for almost 300 degrees um, temperature rating. Uh, so we've, we've spent a lot of time because um, metal ties are very common. Um, and we have a complete line of metal ties that we offer. Um, but we've also seen metal ties chafe wire. Um, like you were just saying, those, those uh, cables get really, they, they harden and they don't move. And if they're not installed properly uh, with a metal tie and it has a tight bed, bend radius, um, those cables are, it almost acts like a cable saw to a certain extent and that rubbing can, can potentially create a pretty severe fault down the road. Um, so, you know, we really see some benefits to plastics. And um, so we spent a long time developing this new material and we're, we're really excited to bring it to the market because um, you know, we think that there's cost benefits as well. It sounds like there is, and clearly your selling proposition mirrors quick mount PVs very closely in terms of the fact that we brought a product, a new product into the market where the market previously wasn't even considering flashing. Uh, and it, it wasn't, it was more expensive, but the long-term cost benefits we feel were tremendous. So I see there's a very close relationship between the philosophy that Hellerman Titan has and the philosophy we at Quick Mount PV have had. But I'm curious if you could cost justify or maybe give us some perspective. How much would a typical zip tie at Home Depot cost compared to your plastic zip tie that's rated to last 25 years compared to a metal tie? What's the, the basic cost comparison of those three? Yeah. So, I mean, we'll just, we'll just say that a Home Depot tie is going to cost two cents. And um, you're looking at a metal tie, which is going to cost probably 45, 50 cents. And now there are coated metals that are probably in that same price range. 
um, where our PVDF new tie is going to be in the range of 25 to 30 cents. Um, okay. But when you, when you add up, um, you know, that, that penny tie right away is very cheap. But, uh, you know, a $350 truck roll for a replacement of that penny tie. And, you know, that penny tie is now a $350 tie because, you know, it's broken and you have wires laying on the roof. No, I'm sold. It seems to me when you're talking a, a quarter, a tie, and how many, Sue, do you know offhand how many wire management devices, whether clips or straps, one would use in a five kilowatt array on average? Oh, that's going to be a total guess, but I would say maybe a couple hundred. So you got would a couple think hundred. So, and so, you know, if you're using Home Depot zip ties, that's some total of what, $4, $4 for all your ties. And so with your product, we're talking 200 multiplied by a quarter. So that's 50 bucks. But gee, 50 bucks doesn't seem, you know, 50, it's only another $45 to buy your 25-year rated tie. $45 buys the the confidence that you don't have to jack around with zip ties for more than 20 years to me that seems like a bargain absolutely and and i would even say that that a couple of hundred when you're using a good product you use even less because you with cheap ties i've seen i've seen guys use hundreds of them on one roof and they're they're literally doing it every six inches because they know that they're going to fail i agree i i see them every six inches on the rail, figuring that, that more is better because they know they're going to fail. Yeah. So when you, when you have a appropriate product, you can use maybe a half even of the amount. Um, and that also, that also gets you up the roof quicker. Well, this brings yeah. up an interesting question to me because they're, the, these plastic zip ties certainly are used on my system, but most of my cabling, the PV cabling, is secured to the PV module frame uses, using clips. And I was wondering, Nick, can you provide us your perspective, and, and Sue, both of you, on where you would use a clip versus a strap? I guess I'll start that off. Um, there's a lot of metal clips that have been designed to be used with the railing uh, material, and even manufacturers of the rail will have their own product-specific clips. However, I think that people try to save money because, as Nick said, these clips, these metal clips, are costing you know 40, 50, 60 cents a piece. So they feel that they can save money by using an inexpensive zip tie, so they don't buy the industry-specific clips. Um, we will eventually talk about, you know, rail versus rail free and clips and straps or cable ties. But I think when you're relegated to module level um, wire management so that you must wire manage onto the module frame, like in a rail free situation, then you're talking about very specific stainless steel clips that are meant to fit very nicely on that module frame. So those work well, except when you get into trunk cable um, situations, large number of home runs that have to be bundled and run. So those are the, the major areas where I see clips versus ties. So what you're saying is the PV cable, where it's close to the module frame and on rail free particularly, you're going to clip that PV cable into the module frame, whereas the ties start to get used more for large cable bundles that run along the rail that type of application. That's correct. However, on rail-based systems, they're taking those 
those standard runs and the PV wires themselves and strapping them right to the rail. Yeah, and I, I guess, Nick, do you, what's your observations? Because you've seen a lot of residential and I'm sure commercial PV systems scattered throughout the United States. And maybe you can give us your observations of having viewed a lot of diverse systems. Yeah, so the, the biggest thing that we talk about um, within our messaging is just having a good mounting base for your wire management products, right? Like we don't we don't want to see you know, a tie through a sharp hole or on sharp edges because you're just, you're leaving it up to way, way early premature failure. Are there any holes um, that aren't sharp? Not very often um, on, a, on a PV system, especially the module holes. Um, so, you know, mounting bases is huge and having, a, you know, your, your clip, your metal clip with a solid mounting base or even if it's a plastic clip, there there are you know a multitude of plastic clips as well on the market with um, with mounting bases, and you know we're gonna we're gonna be seeing you know a large shift in my opinion in the market with you know rail free becoming more and more prominent I, I think, and that leaves even more opportunity for for really poor wire management to to be coming. Um, so, you know, wire management design and doing it properly and having a, a really good thought out, um, I guess, philosophy within your company um, is going to be really important moving forward. Um, so you can you can standardize how you're routing your cables. Is it fair to say that you should never use a plastic zip tie through a PV module frame hole? Yeah. Yeah, no, you should never do that. Um, I don't have any specific time that it's going to survive on a residential system, but I've seen on both a utility tracker um, ties broken. Um, and I'm not just talking about one, I'm talking hundreds of thousands, um, ties that have broken within eight months of installation. And on a ground mount, this was in California, it was a two or three megawatt system. And that one was roughly a year and a half to two years that the ties had broken. They were through a module mounting hole. I'm just kind of curious um, how many garbage bags full of broken zip ties that might be. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> So it's, as Sue had mentioned a little earlier, it's, it's job security, really, at the end of the day for me, because if you just want to go and make, keep making the same mistake, it doesn't matter. You know, you can use our 25-year um, material, because as I was talking about, that, that sawing motion on a tracker, it just, it just saws the, uh, the material right off. And you know, it's, it's all of that and elements on a residential system. You know, you have the heat, you have the limited airflow. Um, you know, all of, all of these elements just take a factor in destroying plastic. Is it, is it fair? I'll ask a quick question. Uh, in, in Arizona, where it does get hot, I mean, roof temperatures here routinely give above 170 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, I'm assuming that would be worse than in San Diego, where the temperatures are pretty moderate, comparatively speaking. Do you expect Phoenix to lead the nation in broken zip ties in the coming years? 
Absolutely. I mean, your your typical big box cable tie is rated for about 150 degrees, and that's at the max. So every day when that, that thermocycling happens, it gets up to 150 and then drops back down to 80 degrees maybe in the, at night. Um, that thermocycling is just taking its toll on that plastic, and eventually it's it's going to break and eventually is not very long in uh in the world of a cheap plastic uh cable tie unfortunately too so nick last year i was pretty excited to see that you guys introduced something that was typically used in the automotive industry which is the fir tree clip going into the module holes and then holding um a bundle of wires or a, or a series of wires into the module holes in a way that actually does make sense can you sort of describe that product? I know a picture's worth a thousand words, but this is a podcast. Yeah, no, and even more exciting, um, at SPI, we launched our new solar Omega clip is what we call it. And it has a fir tree design and it's designed for those nine by 12 mounting holes on the back of module. So it's, it fits perfectly in that hole. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really common in the automotive industry. And we have a lot of expertise in designing these fir trees. And what we like about it is it's super easy to go into that sharp hole. Um, it's maybe three to four pounds to insert it into that hole. And the extraction strength is like 80 to 90. Um, so it's going to last a really long time. It can uh, withstand a lot of that heat cycling. And one of the things that we, we also observed um, is that it has a locking feature so that it, it snaps shut and you can hear it snap shut and you know that the wires are secured in it. So, um, you know, we're definitely really excited about that product and it's um, made of one of those really durable, high heat, high UV environment materials um, that actually the, the material is the same material that you, you can put on a John Deere tractor. Um, it's on hundreds of thousands of John Deere tractors around the world. Um, and it also is in automotive car um, engine component, um, the material is. So we know and we can we have the testing that shows that it's a really, really durable um, product for severe, harsh environments. So I have another follow-up question uh, just about how we get the code community to start to enforce some kind of realistic um, quality standard or even you know ul or someone to start talking about this subject and you know jeff and i spend a lot of time educating code officials so how do we start with this subject in your opinion i'll, I'll just start by saying that i spend a lot of my time maybe too much around people that are routinely in the development of codes and standards i'm involved a lot in ul standards and certainly participating in conversations on code for review and comments so on and so forth uh for better or worse the it's my perception over the years i've worked in pv that the national electric code has consciously elected to not put major criteria on supporting and protecting uh current carrying conductors there's certainly some limited information and nick can speak to the sections in the national electric code that they call out some of the guidelines for protecting of current carrying conductors. But when it comes to, for example, how, how close do cable clips need to be to support a PV cable under an array? 
Well, there's very vague and limited language in the National Electric Code that addresses that. And as a result, one could have a perfectly code compliant PV system with cable clips at the requisite spread, and it could be a completely wrong way to wire manage it. So there's no doubt that the codes and standards are fairly limited in scope as it relates to PV, which worries me. Uh, but what I would say is that to try to address that is a pretty big project, and I haven't seen anybody outside of, gosh, Nick, maybe you, trying to address these concerns. And me, too. You and me. It's you and me, buddy. <laughs> Just the two of us, huh? Um, and Sue, maybe. So no, three, I, three of us now. <laughs> you know, I the, – the current state of the NEC and wire management, like we'll just say that that relationship is definitely, it's, it's a little rocky at this point. Um, you know, you look at some of the codes that are in relation to wire management in the NEC, you have 110.12, neat and workmanlike wires. Um, 300.4, conductors shall be protected where exposed to damage. 300.34 bend radius um, needs to be eight times the overall diameter. I mean, these codes, you know, they're, they're some of the only ones that you can find in regard to solar wire management in the NEC. And they are so vague, um, it, it doesn't do anything. Um, you know, and there's really, there's just very, we're lacking in best practices, we're lacking in code standards, in my opinion, we're lacking in UL standards, and what we're looking for um, in these systems, and I think that the, um, there's a lot of room for improvement. You know, with that said, this is not an easy task that we're talking about, because it's not like, you know, with a module, you can install it in two ways. It's either in a um, portrait or a landscape orientation. Um, it is a very complex is issue because you can route these wires in so many different ways. And there are so many different um, wire management or wiring design in a system as well. And until we can get to a more standardized place where our systems are being designed in cookie cutters, um, it's, it's not going to be an easy fix. Well, and there are two relevant standards in UL that do address wire management. One is uh, 1565, which is intended by and large. And, and I have to say, the w there's this concept within UL that you have either a cable supporting clip or a strap. But I think, as we always see with technology, there are going to be devices that will blur the, 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 those two categories. So in, in clips, you have the 1565 standard, and they look at how strong that clip stays on the PV module frame or how easy it is to pull the cable out of the clip. And then for straps, of course, they have considerations such as UV testing. But Nick, you were telling us earlier that the amount of uh, chamber exposure for UV testing of the plastic straps on the market is pretty modest to achieve the the standard or the listing. Yeah, I mean, even, um, you know, when we talk about xenon arc testing, uh, we have 
three chambers here at Hellerman Titan in Milwaukee, and we're constantly testing all of our materials. And uh, when you look at how long a cable tie needs to be tested to get UL certification, it's just a few thousand hours in a xenon arc chamber. Well, a few thousand hours in a xenon arc chamber is literally in a year to two years of outdoor exposure. It's the equivalency of just a year or two. Um, so we're allowing all of this product to be installed in the market that has very little um, field application. That also goes for labels as well. Um, you know, when we talk about some of the labels that, that are getting installed, um, they literally can only withstand two years of outdoor sunlight. And it, a lot of times it's right on the spec sheet that these companies are um, are showing that. So it's um, it's a battle, you know, when you talk about wire management and labeling um, to having adequate product for um, for the environment because it's a really harsh environment. And these are not things that people think about every day, but like, God forbid, there's a fire and, uh, you know, the labels are not, visible anymore because they've been faded over a few years and i have pictures of of labels completely faded after three years on rooftops um so we need to really take a hard look at what are the requirements on um on some of these balance of system products um that are are getting installed out in the field and one thing I've noticed, too, is if we as an industry don't lead that effort to establish logical codes and standards, it will be done on our behalf by people who probably don't understand the challenges that can be introduced by putting new regulations into place. So I think your your comments, Nick, are uh, should serve as fair warning to everybody in the industry that's concerned about this, that we need to lead on coming up with more practical standards that are going to assure safety. And ideally, in my mind, I'd like to see long-term performance. But as you can imagine, codes and standards don't care about long-term performance. They care about safety. In this situation, though, uh, long-term performance does equate to a serious safety concern. If that clip or that uh, plastic strap breaks, the PV cable is no longer supported. Now it's laying on your roof. That's a fundamental safety problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we, the reason why we believe in, in plastics so much, um, to be honest, is we really feel like from a safety standpoint that if you combine the correct plastic in the correct application, that it's the safest product to be protecting the conductors on a rooftop. Um, because, you know, we, we do offer metal products. And we do believe that our product, our metal product, is the best and safest product that we that can be offered in the market um, because we've done a lot of testing on um, pull-off strength and um, making sure that the wire um, is protected even though it's being wrapped in metal. Um, you know that there are still some inherent dangers to to metal clips in the market, um, but. Yeah, I mean, safety definitely needs to be the biggest priority when it comes to protecting these conductors on rooftops. Yeah, I, I think we can take this another step and say that if you don't manage your wires properly, you'll end up with some little critter nests up there. 
um, and then the critters, you know, will chew through some wires. And with a metal roof, uh, I've actually seen it where the entire metal roof was energized. We had a 500 volt roof um, when some critters, you know, decided to chew through a bunch of wires and the system was still producing power. Um, had to actually go back at night to fix that one. And that's an interesting point, Sue, because UL 2703 does not mandate that you ground all the metal accessories and a metal roof can be looked at as an accessory. Uh, it presumes that your wire management prevents the PV cables from being able to make contact with these metal accessories. That's so right. from the standpoint of UL 2703, it is in, uh, presumed that the contractor wires and supports those PV cables in a way that they will never be able to make contact with the metal roof or the flashing or the standoff or or the the perimeter screen, the wind deflector, all these various metal parts of a PV system that are not grounded because they're presumed to never be energized, well, that goes out the window if your, if your wire management fails. Yeah, and we're not using any different practices uh, out in the field on these metal roofs as we are on the residential roofs we've just been talking about. So these cable ties, the Home Depot thousand packs are all being used on rail on metal roofs. And that's a disaster waiting to happen, especially as the critters get up there and chew them. When or they, abrading, as you said, Nick, um, just over time, you know, wires that are strung a little bit too tight or or in a module hole very easily can energize an entire roof. Well, Nick, you, you had uh, specified a few times that you feel that in the long run, plastics, the right plastics, are probably healthier for the wire over the life of the system compared to a metal clip, and your company makes both products. Maybe you can give us a little bit of your perspective, and Sue, again, you too, since you've done so much of this type of work on what type of wire management device you would use for what type of PV system, if you compare a rail-based system versus a rail-free, would you always want to clip your PV wire that's coming out of the junction box to the module frame, even if you're in a rail-based system? Or if you're in a rail-based system, would you just take that PV cable directly down to your rail and strap it to the rail with a zip tie? Well, I mean, I, I think that there's some really good benefits of, of using edge clips um, because it provides you as an installer a lot of flexibility. A lot of times you can put the edge clips on um, and do some of where your wire management on the ground and then put the modules up and then do your interconnection where, you know, you're not necessarily able to do that um, with with the the wires getting run along the racking so it definitely provides you with a little bit more flexibility to be doing them on the modules um you know with that said um you know o m going back if you need to to be repairing things might you know running your home runs along the rail uh could make that process a little bit easier down the road um but like i said there's so many variabilities and uh the biggest thing is just finding a clip that can give you the modularity or universality to to use it in multiple places on the system so that you're not carrying so many different uh, products on the rooftop, I think, is, is probably the most important thing. And Sue, maybe you can share your perspective, because obviously in the rail-free racking system that Quick Mount manufacturers, we don't have the luxury of running PV cables down 
a rail. We we're clipping them into the module frame, and you've done a lot of personal experimentation with a pretty significant range of clips. What what have you found in that work that you've done? Uh, we actually had to get involved in testing clips so that we could recommend them in our code compliance manual. So we found that we had to test both the retention of the wire in the clip uh, with a pullout test and the retention of the clip onto the frame. Um, the other thing that it didn't test was how difficult it is to get that clip onto the frame. And we all know that uh, if we've worked in this industry that you can have a, a thumb buster you know, of a clip that, that is so difficult to get on the frame and maybe not that hard to get off. But you want the opposite. You want something that goes easy on and is really hard to get off, or you have to twist it to get off. Um, but not impossible, because you don't want to get your Lyman's flyers out in order to get a clip off. So we did a lot of testing on that. And Nick, you have a comment. Yeah, and we we did a lot of testing of that, that same process as well, because what uh, from our observations in the field, we would, we would go out and we would see the guys using backs of screwdrivers to pop the, the edge clips on. And talking to one of the installation companies, they actually had a call due to metal clips and they couldn't figure out why, what the problem was right away. So they ended up going back and they're like, well, what could it be? Well, so that's what they noticed is the, the module corners, the pieces where uh, the, there's the metal clip inside of the module corners where the two frame edges meet in the, the corner of the module. And those modules were getting spaced out and there was creating a gap for water to go into, um, into the module. And it was being created because of the back of the screwdriver and the guys using it to pop the clip on. Okay, so so they were actually breaking the two frame sections apart by hammering the clip into place. Right. That sounds yeah. bad. And so, <laughs> yeah, and so we we kind of like we reevaluated in our metal clip design process how we could avoid that. And um, so what we did is we created a hinge on our metal clip so that the insertion strength um, was less than the extraction strength. And then we went and bought everyone in the entire market, all of the metal clips we could find and tested them internally in a similar process to what Sue was just talking about. And our insertion strength was about half of what the extraction strength was. So it was about I think it was roughly 12 pounds was our insertion strength, and it has a flat pad, so you can push it on um, with that flat edge instead of a lot of the clips, and it almost looks like a, a horseshoe pin um, uh, that you see on the market. Well, maybe because when I got into the industry, the standard practice was edge clips. I've kind of just presumed that that's the most appropriate way to manage your cabling. But I think you, you, you it's thought-provoking, Nick, to think about long-term uh, service requirements. And if you take the approach of not using as many edge clips and having those PV cables going directly to the rail where they're wire-tied securely to the rail, from a service perspective, that seems compelling to me. Sue, have you had any experience with that approach and, and how it might lend itself to better service long-term? Yeah, I think it's actually uh, the workmen themselves and whether or not they have good 
practices and how they attach the cables, whether they're strung too tight. Um, I've seen some bad practice. I've seen some good practice. And I think it's, it's um, whether somebody has a conscience out there about future serviceability, whether they expect to be in business five years from now and be going back to service that, that panel, or whether they get paid by the panel and they don't care. They're going to get, they're just going to throw it up there and walk away. So that's my experience. Well, I'm, I'm curious too, we haven't addressed this yet, but we've mentioned it, is uh, the concept of uh, supporting bundles of cables or trunk cables. Does that differ fundamentally from securing a standard PV cable? Oh, that's been a real challenge. Um, I've done quite a few in-phase jobs uh, with rail-free systems, and that was a challenge, especially when you were talking about module frames that didn't seem to be designed for holding trunk cables in certain positions, such as the Solar World module that did not have a portrait side frame. Um, so I've had some real challenges managing wires on those it, kinds it, of modules. It had a frame, it just didn't have a lip off the frame that you could put a wire management clip onto. Correct. It had no um, lower frame edge on the portrait side, on the short side. So it had a, a frame on the balance of the module, but nothing to where I managed to, no holes, no clip area on the portrait side. And the wires coming out of the junction box were going straight out, were you know, pointing toward the short edges of the module. So you actually did need to manage that wire, especially the lower one in this case, if you were doing a landscape job with a solar world module, there's nowhere to put it. So they did invent the sun clip, um, which was a um, engineered composite of some sort uh, in order to manage that problem. And then they stopped making them. So became a, a real issue. Yeah, the uh, the solar world modules definitely present with with how small that profile is. It's it's impossible to be uh, doing doing wire management on that short end. Well, I discovered I have a, on my array uh, an LG module, and the year that I bought them, their portrait frame sides of the short frame rail didn't have as big of a lip as the long frame rail, and had a very I've, short lip. They had a very short lip, and this caused me some difficulties for securing the perimeter screen to keep the pigeons out from under my array. And I'll tell you what, uh, I sure wish I there had been better options. And even today, I still feel there's too few good options for fencing off an array, which is an absolute mandatory requirement in the entire Phoenix metro area because pigeons love, and I mean love, PV arrays. It's the perfect pigeon house. And I learned when I was getting up there to fence it off that pigeons produce an insanely large volume of excrement that I had to clean out from under the array. So all these factors really are important when we're talking about wire management, because now we got those birds constantly walking past the PV cables. And if they're not held in properly, that can damage your array and squirrels. We've all seen pictures, of course, of the damage of squirrels. I've seen raccoons that have torn the heck out of a roof under a PV array. So all these animals can be a real challenge for wire management. Nick, have you seen anything that uh, raised your eyebrows when it came to inspecting systems out there in the field and how the wires were managed? Well, yeah. I mean, as soon as as soon as the wires come out from underneath the uh, the module lift, and if they're hanging down at all, um, you know, those squirrels just uh, essentially like I was in North Carolina and um, it was it was on an 
an end phase type um, system. And they had just chewed right through all of that cabling. And, um, you know, it, it definitely poses a serious, serious risk. Um, I mean, just not having any guard around or if it's really easily accessible to any sort of critters, um, you know, those those outer outer guards, even with proper wire management, um, it's not necessarily a bad idea to have that, that system protected. And it's a little tricky with certain roof types. With asphalt shingles, it's a little simpler. With curved tiles like I have, configuring the uh, screen to keep the birds out, it took... Uh, it was a it was a couple days worth of work on the roof, and I, I usually save that stuff for the hottest time of the year so I can be in the most pain. So uh, it was not a fun process, and when I got done with it, I thought that was much harder than it should be. Unfortunately, critically important, and it's amazing to me that almost all PV installers that I know of are not offering perimeter screens around their array as a standard option. In my view, it is absolutely one of the best things you could spend your money on. It will reduce your 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 difficulty and problems through the years. And I anticipate there's going to be a lot of ground fault problems and fires and shock hazards that are generated by birds and squirrels over the coming few years. There's also the issue of on uh, comp shingle roofs that these screens are not designed so that they're not going to hit the comp shingle roof and then abrade that surface. So there's a lot of unintended consequences there as well. I haven't seen any products I really like. There's some people who are actually using critter guards that are adhesively fixed to the module frame, which is just ridiculous. And we talk about plastics not lasting. We can really talk about adhesives not lasting for more than a couple of years. And maybe Hellerman Titan should look at that because in my opinion, I'd agree with Sue. I've seen a lot of uh, fencing options to keep the birds and squirrels out. None that I feel are, uh, the one I used was a nightmare to install, so I wouldn't advocate it at all. It looks good, but it's it was it was horrible to install, and I'm afraid when I have to go replace those plastic zip ties because I'm getting to that point, Nick, where it sounds like I'm going to have some busting, that I'm going to have a nightmare getting the perimeter skirt off just to access to be able to fix those zip ties. So uh, fingers crossed that uh, I don't run into too much trouble over the next year or two. I do have one other question, though. When we talk about wire management, one of the traditional approaches, in fact, years back was very common, was putting all your cabling within conduit. And I know that's expensive and problematic. It used to be you could buy a PV module that on the back had a serviceable junction box that you could open that would allow you to attach a conduit right to it. That was kind of cool. But that doesn't really exist much anymore today. And uh, uh, certainly putting your PV cables in conduit, eventually that's where they end up going for most PV arrays because generally you don't want unprotected wires extending beyond the perimeter of the array. I know there's some vague code language that addresses this, but most installers, would you, Sue and Nick, agree that once you're outside of the array, everything's going into conduit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, most most of the installations that I've seen, they, uh, you know, all, all end up going into some sort of conduit. I mean, there, there are different levels of how well that's done um, and how well the, uh, the water seals and things go on to things. Um, but I would say that, that that's mostly a standard practice, but, you know, we've seen a lot of very poor examples of that as well. 
And we've recently introduced a quick mount of product, maybe so you can mention the new quick box that helps manage that transition from the array into the roof. Sure, I've installed plenty of rooftop systems on comp shingle roofs. And uh, the method that most people are using is uh, you know, a flashed in uh, box that the wire is gonna go directly into and it's gonna sit under the last module frame. So they're gonna delay putting down that last module frame they're going to get everything ready, and then they're going to do their wire management and just basically plug, you know, a couple MC cables into each other, one that's coming out of the box, out of a masthead, and uh, right straight into the home run and the the uh, the module. So I'm seeing a lot of installations that don't involve any condo at all. It's going directly into the roof, you know, at that point. Um, however, a lot of these uh, rooftop boxes we found were not flashed in my mind responsibly because in order to flash something responsibly you need to be under the second course you know installed on the first course under the second course and under the third course in order to fit with the guidelines from the roofing manufacturers which is actually code and have sufficient so, side lap width too to resist that uh capillary action of water getting to right. penetration side lap and head lap um, and I don't see that in any of the products that were in the marketplace. So uh, Quick Mount PV has introduced the new Q box, which is a junction box, transition box. Um, and you can have a watertight connection um, that is also flashed responsibly. So take a look at the yeah, I, I, website for, for a little more information on that. I really like your guys' um, new product that you had. Um, and it, it, there was one story that I kind of took away from, from SPI because we, we launched a new product as well that's a replacement for your traditional wire nut that goes inside of the junction boxes. And um, it, it's called our Helicon Mini. And you can visually see the wires. Instead of with a wire nut, you keep twisting and you end up hoping that it's actually connected. You can visually see with the Helicon Mini that the wire connection is made inside of the box. Um, but uh, one of one of our really good customers um, up in the Washington state of Washington um, region was telling me a story while we were talking about that exact application with the junction box, and there was water in in the box. Um, so they they shut off the system. Um, and, uh, you know, I excuse my non-techiness when we get into the details on the story, but, uh, there was a, there was an issue with the system being grounded and there ended up being a fault somewhere along the line and they opened up the junction box and with the water inside those wires and the wire nut, there was one that wasn't fully engaged inside of the wire nut. And when they moved the wires inside of that, box it created a huge arc arc fault um out of the box um and so yeah i mean with i guess two of the products that we both introduced at spi can help avoid small issues like that that are actually more common i think than what we we know of in the industry. And we've put a lot of time and energy into making certain that uh, water, because, uh, you know, water gets into any box, even if it's sealed, just by nature, if, if there's, it, it, you have to 
put a high pressure seal to stop the potential for condensation. So condensation is inevitable in a hot, humid environment in any sealed box. But of course, we've made accommodations where any moisture that does condensate inside the box can harmlessly drip out through a carefully designed labyrinth pathway that will what, let condensation out but not allow rainwater into the box. So, so well, this has been, a, I think, a very productive discussion, and I feel that the industry needs more time and attention focused on the issues of wire management because as we've uh, you're, in fact, I think, Nick, just some of the things you've told me make me very nervous about the health of many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of PV, rooftop PV installations over the next few years. And I'm afraid we're going to see a lot of PV cables just laying on the roof based upon what you've, what you've told us. But in my view, a 25 cent or a 30 cent uh, uh, high tech plastic strap that's going to last for 25 or 30 years, that seems like a, a real winner to me. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I mean, we're we're pretty excited about it, and we think it's the right thing at at the right time. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't sooner, but we we think the industry in general, um, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Wire management is getting a bit more standardized, and installation practices obviously are improving um, as as we um, as solar becomes a more common um, occurrence, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we definitely, as an industry, we, be, we need to be more vigilant and uh, start looking at some of these smaller details and, and seeing how we can improve installation practices because it's, it's a serious thing. Well, thanks for your time today, Nick. It's been great having you on. And uh, Sue, any parting comments? No, I appreciate Nick coming on. I think that uh, this could make a big difference in the quality we see going forward in wire management is to open up this discussion. This episode of Solar Roof Talk is brought to you by QuickMount PV's L-Mount. The cost-competitive L-Mount is an integrated flashing mount and alpha 